Have you hugged a ripen? Wagered a podcast bet? Toasted to friends at Clover Pine? Prove it all to your friends with Crossword merch available now in the gift shop. T-shirts, hats, mugs, stickers, and a whole lot more. Your purchase supports the show and keeps us running. Go to GhostbustersHQ/shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. This week on the program, boy, it's tough not to just start this episode with real big fishes. Everything sucks. Um, hey, everybody. We've got uh, a, a very light discussion, I promise. Uh, but we are talking about uh, Cinefix Magazine has called it quits after 40 years. Uh, why should you care? Well, that's what we're going to get into. We'll also talk a little bit about the uh, Fry's Electronics chain. I'm sorry. It's, it's not that bad. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. I don't know if we were that smart when we were kids either. Thomas's thing today is we're watching YouTube and a car commercial comes on. He just kind of sits there staring. He's like, you like fun. You love your family. You should buy a car. <laughs> he says this? Yeah. And then <laughs> the commercial ends and there's this there's this um, silence for like, just this sullen silence Yeah. for a bit. <laughs> and then he's like, I like hugging my cat. Does that mean I have to go buy a Toyota? That's <laughs> yeah, that's commercialism, buddy. Welcome to it. <laughs> I was like, uh, the kids have mutated. Ad oh, ad, age, ad industry, they've mutated. <laughs> you no longer can affect them. Try something on TikTok. That always seems to work. Exactly. Get them. Uh, <laughs> get them somewhere in there to purchase your wares now, because oh god, just. It's it's at the point where it's like those car commercials for the holidays where it's like da 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 dun da 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 dun buy yourself a Lexus and buy one for your spouse as well and it's like what what who yeah. is doing this who <sighs> yeah no nobody does that I don't think anybody no. ever did that why did the commercials try to think make you think that that's a thing like no. I honestly because we're heading into the era of electric cars at which point like those motors last so long compared to a uh, internal combustion engine like in terms of maintenance and upkeep and stuff like that that really at a certain point they're going to be the hangers that you hang the fashion of like a the car around right yeah. like you upgrade its electronics upgrade your you interior swap the panels yeah, yeah right and that's going to be right up to and including like they've already started powering themselves up but i don't know when they'll start let's put it this way five years ago i posited it and in the last couple of years i've seen a couple of articles where they talk about it in kind of a test case sort of thing they're all heading in the direction of we're no longer necessarily car manufacturers like they're they they're aware they're heading into like electric engine manufacturers and so one um uh, some of the stuff they're gearing up for is um like taking existing cars and just retrofitting them to electric motors. Yeah, that's like, what they should do. Like, which is what they, which absolutely, let's put it this way, it's been 15 years since 
well, 10 years maybe since that, you know, the, the big eco- economic downturn and they were showing us photos of test tracks in Germany with, that they used as parking lots for the 10,000 yeah. cars they couldn't sell. It's like, yeah, those days are, oh. Well, and, and the uh, look at what you could do, the the electric DeLorean, which uh, who knows if it's ever going to come. They keep saying the uh, 2018, 2019, 2020, but like the, the demand is going to be there as soon as they start releasing these basically retro but electric uh, DeLoreans. You could do that with any car. Like you could, any car. Uh, throw well, the, the old number, Datsun the Z of, out there or something. And, yeah. yeah. The, the number of hobbyists who have gone and done it themselves in various vehicles and not only that there here's the thing you know the the big car companies are not are going to be doing it soon there is like a third party market now just like you could go and say you know pimp my ride or you know take this old classic of mine and get it up to you know original ship shape or whatever there are now garages you go to and you're like turn this car into electric yeah. please and they'll go do it and uh, yeah it's well let's see there you go I'm, and I'm fine with that. Like I said, they're going to completely have to restructure <laughs> what their business is like. But I Get don't know. Ready There's for not the many options. All new electric 59 Miller Meteor. <laughs> it still won't get over 65 miles per hour, but. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It will. You take, uh. you take a Miller Meteor and you take that gigantic engine out. That's a lot of weight gone. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, uh, you you throw a, a supercharged engine in there, and it's going to be uh, tearing through uh, wheat fields like it is in the Afterlife trailer <laughs> in no time. Yeah, I'm um, okay with an electric. Echo. Yeah, I'm done with that. And electro, uh, <laughs> electro echo. I think Marvel Studios might have something to say with that, but uh, or Sony, I guess at this point. Anyway. Who knows? Who knows? Who who owns anything at this point? I don't know. I have no idea. Mostly Disney. Mostly Disney. Uh, just kidding, Disney. We love you because you probably own us too at this point. <laughs> I'm watching the 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 the, the Disney uh, rollout continue. So they dropped uh, half a year before the pandemic. Not much, right? Like maybe a year. I'm trying to keep track now of when I got it. Um. Disney Plus, you're talking about? Yeah, sorry. That was, yeah, Plus. that was November. That was November, right before the pandemic. Yeah, right. So about three months before the pandemic started, that rolls out. Maybe a little earlier, because wasn't uh, Mandalorian in October the first season? Uh, I can't remember. No, yeah, that was also November. It was, it was all November. It was November all November. 19th. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that came out, and then they found themselves in this weird sweet spot of everybody stuck at home. So that worked out well. Then they started one-two punching with all this. Uh, original stuff that's been going great guns for them. And now the last one is like, <laughs> are you sad that Disney Plus is too Disney and not enough Netflix? Here's stars. <laughs> it's like, what? That's okay. true. Yeah, Canada, you're getting star, aren't you? I f- oh, yeah. They, yeah. they plugged in star now, and it's like, really? So, uh, yeah, it's, that's it's like, which, because here we is, have Hulu, and the, it's like, yeah. yeah. Which is on the back of them going, we here already, here's all our touchstone stuff, right? Like, it's not front and center because they want, you know, uh, Frozen up front rather than Turner sure, and Hooch. Sure, sure. But yeah. um, I don't know why Touchstone uh, and Turner and Hooch are linked together. I think it's the only movie that I know for a fact. My. Touch, was it Touchstone, Touchstone was first? three. Yeah, Three Men and a Baby. I think was the first Touchstone movie, wasn't it? 
I'm trying yeah, to remember. It, it was it was around that era that it was the, around that time. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, or, and Dick Tracy was Touchstone. <laughs> but they went. Yeah, they're like, and here's all this other stuff: shows and movies that you know hmm. they're not ours, but we've partnered up, which I think is almost fine too. Because again, all these people that are complaining, it's just like the cable days. It's like a, it's not like the cable days, and b. You don't have to go out and get a million and one different ones because they're starting to, the little cable guys are starting to now, we will never have our own streaming thing. So why don't we just partner ourselves into Yeah, Yeah. So they're all sort of slowly getting absorbed into, that's when it's going to be like the cable days when it's like, well, I got to pay $60 for the Disney Warner Brothers universal Sony uh, <laughs> service. And um, yeah. But, if the prices go up, yes, then that'll be. Yeah. Well, actually, the thing is, is it's still not the same because the thing I've always argued is you, you pick your budget and presumably if you're complaining about this, you pick a budget that's lower or the same as what you, we used to pay for cable packages and then anything else you cannot pick up, uh, you either do, um, seasonal, is that maybe a way to put it? Yeah, I, I think they're calling so, it churn so think, now, where you yeah. you subscribe for uh, Star Trek Discovery, and then once Discovery is over, you cancel that CBS right. All Access. So, it, uh, so yeah. there is a term for it. Yeah, churn. That, churn. That's a good one. Yeah. And then the the other one is you're like, I don't even want to churn. It's like, um, uh, I just want this one thing. Then you turn to like uh, Amazon or iTunes or Google, and you say, Here's thirty five bucks. Give me the season of yeah. Whatever, just that right? show. Like, yeah, just exactly. that show. Yeah. I I have to wait. Uh, you know, HBO is like, you're not getting Game of Thrones now, but I'll happily wait and then pay iTunes 35 bucks, you know, three months later and I'll catch up later sort of thing. Right. Like, so it's never going to be the cable <laughs> days. We have clawed back a certain amount of choice. Uh, for the most part, uh, except for, for when part. you're a sports fan and then it's just like. Oh, no. Well, that's the big secret is cable come. All the money you used to pay for cable packages most of it was to pay for the sports service, yep. the, the yeah, rights to the sports the regional service. sports networks and the ESPNs of the world. And uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, see how, we'll see how they do. Cause they, they may have to rethink uh, it once yeah, they're yeah. cut free. I, the, they may have to go to, to virtual, which is just, uh, if you can come to the, the, the arena, give us 35 bucks for your seat. <laughs> if you're at home, give us 10 bucks for the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, like whatever. Just start like paying just per game. Yeah. That's paying that's, per game to watch it, man. I'd rather do that. than it's the blockouts and everything. It's, uh, it's a pain in the butt, but, um, well, Hey, if you what haven't noticed, <laughs> we're going to really be free forming here, uh, this week. Um, here's, here's what's going on. Um, everybody out there in podcasting land, uh, Hey, welcome to the cross rip. I don't know. We're like 20 minutes in. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's been, it's been rough. I know a lot of people out there are hitting walls. Uh, Chris and I, you won't hear half of what we vented about at the beginning just because it's, you know, very personal to us. Uh, he and I get together and, and Prim- chat Primal about scream stuff. therapy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just <laughs> uh, the only thing that we can do. We just say, Hey, can you take your cans off for 10 seconds? And I'm just going to scream at the top of my lungs. Uh, that knocking that you hear is the cops coming to my door wondering if everything's Okay. <laughs> Um, Everybody got their scream pillow? <laughs> All right. All together now. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and and sort of indicative of that, everybody, 
out there probably knows if you don't know, uh, because of the pandemic, we're starting to lose things like our favorite restaurants, our favorite, uh, you know, uh, stores, shops, um, friends are moving away. That's another one that I'm dealing with now is a lot of my, my good friends are just like, what am I doing here? I'm moving, uh, and are, are leaving. Um, and small businesses are the ones that are really hurting the most, at least, uh, down here, uh, in the States. Um, and uh, because of that, uh, we've lost two kind of key components to, to Ghostbusters, at least in my mind's eye. And I figured, Chris, that's what you and I could kind of talk about here for the next yeah. however long we feel like we can carry this conversation. Um, Cinefix Magazine, which if you're not familiar with it, please go out and get familiar with it because uh, maybe that's part of the problem that they were having is not that many newer cinema uh, film fans knew what Cinefix was. Um, it was the the leading d- document, uh, journalism. Uh, it, it, it's if you if you are any fan of special effects, visual effects, of the technology behind filmmaking, chances are you already know Cinefix. But if you don't, uh, my goodness, jump into it now because it's a treasure trove that goes all the way back to the Empire Strikes Back. Um, yep. and, and even further, because they started delving into like Star Trek, the motion picture and, and things that had come out in the 70s. Um, they got two classic corkers covering Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2. Well, yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that was kind of my introduction to both Don Shea and his <coughs> writing uh, was making Ghostbusters. And, and it is 110% because of Cinefix. Everybody knew Don Shea. Uh, Richard Edlund obviously had, had worked... Uh, with Don Shea, uh, you know, on Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, like they knew that Don was sort of the person who came in and and wrote up these amazing articles and and printed great photos and and this was sort of like the go-to industry, much like you know American cinematographer. If you are a, a an aspiring cinematographer out there and you don't know American cinematographer, you're doing yourself a disservice. Like that's the magazine that you have to read when it comes out. I think it's quarterly now. But you have yeah. to you have to read it because it is interviews with the people that are working, and the innovations that they're making, and and literally the nuts and bolts of what they're doing in order to make the shots and the scenes and everything that you've you've come to know and love. Um, yeah, that's what Cinefix was. Uh, they and go it's back gone. to yeah, it's 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 wrapping up the pan. Uh, they they posted about it and it basically amounted to uh, nobody's making movies so we got nothing to write about and uh, advertisers are being careful with their money so we have no ad revenue. Yeah, and, I mean uh, they didn't they couldn't they unfortunately were not able to find a uh, a solution to bridge it. Unfortunately, um, it's, which is a shame because they're announcing that it's going and it's like man, if you just could hold on like another. <laughs> Five months, it would all be back up and running, and, right? And especially like, with all of the Ghostbusters Afterlife being one hundred percent the the in, the the indicator that filmmakers are kind of going back to practical special effects and trying to do things the old way, but update them for for modern audiences. Man, yeah. that's exciting, and I was so looking forward to reading about that in Cinefix. Uh, and it's it's a shame that it's not happening. But so so yeah, you're you're right, Chris. It's after forty years. Their fortieth anniversary was last year. Um, in, I want to say July, August of last year, sort of like right at peak pandemic, um, they, they sent a note out to all of their subscribers saying, uh, look, everybody, we are really sorry. We've been working on stories for films that are not being released. 
And of course, the studio wants to embargo him because they don't want anything about the movie out there. Um, and that puts us in a tough spot because we've worked for six months, eight months, a year, two years on these articles, and we, we don't have any other content to, to post. Um, and at the same time, the advertisers are selling ads for you know, Wonder Woman 1984, the vendors that worked on that have bought ad space for that. So we obviously can't print their ads in other magazines. They're in this really tough spot. So they said, look, we're going to pause production. We're going to come back hopefully in December with our next issue. Um, we, they used to do, uh, four issues a year. They said, you know, uh, that's, that's what we used to do. We're going to go back to doing that because I think that's the only way that we can make this work. Um, that was in July and then December came around and that next issue didn't come out because none of, again, none of the movies besides wonder woman, none of the movies had come out yeah. again. Um, and I kind of knew that something was going to end up happening and, and lo and behold here, uh, just this last week, they, with their issue that is shipping, I haven't gotten it yet, but that is shipping, uh, this week said, we tried, we can't make this work. We're, we're hurting and there's no ad money. There's no sales obviously, cause we're not selling the magazine and we can't, we can't keep shuffling our uh, release schedule with the, the release schedule of the film. So we, that we're going to have to throw in the towel. Uh, the pandemic has claimed another small business. Um, yep. so I don't, I mean, you, you spoke with Don Shea. We actually have that recording here. Um, I think it was our first season. Maybe it was our second season that we ended up posting that it was, it was an interview that you had done with him previously for proton charging. Um, I'm trying to remember. I thought we did it together. I don't think so. I think that was one that you had done that we, that, that you had done like a print version of, and then we, we ended up airing it, man. Yeah. I can't remember. Maybe I need to, I, maybe I need to re-air that one we, to kind of coincide with this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, uh, um, but regardless, you know, Don Shea ended up coming in and basically observed the entirety of, uh, the first film. Uh, he was there. He even gets a, a special thanks in the end credits. If you watch the yep. end credits to the 1984 film, it's like special thanks, Don Shea, um, because he was there every day and wrote up uh, making Ghostbusters and that that uh, issue of Cinefix, which um, is is amazing and, and talks about all of the stuff that Boss Films did, and and that that was kind of like my first between that and he and Jody Duncan wrote the making of Jurassic Park, which was a book that I kept I read cover to cover five thousand times that summer of '92 when that movie came out. Mm. Um, but uh, what what was your first introduction to to Cinefix and to to any of this, Chris? Do you remember? Um, I'm trying to remember. I I it wasn't Ghostbusters. I just became aware that they had a Ghostbusters issue later, and picked it up. Um, and that would have been backwards because I think when I was of the age to start picking them up. Uh, I'm actually looking at all the back issues here now, trying to. To figure out which uh, which one twigged with me. Which one? Because the other thing that I remember too is the our local library. Even in Parker, Colorado, they had they had it the eh? library. You know, hardcover bound. You know, library archival archival versions of of Cinefix. and that there was like uh, two or three years where I was just trying to consume any Star Wars book that was in our library, including all of the like you know Don Glutz uh, novelization and stuff like that. And then I c- it came across Cinefix. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't know that Don Shea, I think that's actually how I found out about Cinefix. I didn't know that Don Shea, who wrote the Making Ghostbusters book, which in 
94, 95, I was like, I can't get my hands on because it's out of print. And yeah. It took like another five years after that to get it. Um, uh, I'm looking at them here. I think, yeah, I think it was The Abyss. Oh, that's that's that a, good a good one. Yeah. That one is, the, the great part about it is sometimes the issue was just one movie. It was rare that they did that. They did it for Aliens. They did it for 2010. No, it was 2010 that I got. Yeah, 2010, the Abyss, I Terminator, the first Terminator film, they did that. Yeah, no, 2010 was the one, I think, the earliest one that I, I tweaked to, because I really was so, kind of, like, fascinated with that one. I wasn't too big. I, I mean, the first one's a classic, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, a 10 or 11-year-old, it's just kind of like, meh, but 2010 was a bit more, uh, a bit cooler, <laughs> while also equally weird. Yeah, started with... Star Trek, the motion picture and alien those yeah. 1980. That's the two they put together. I don't know how many of these, man, sometimes they used to say like they still had back issues you could buy. And they still they do. They have odds and ends yeah, kind of going do. back to the, to the late eighties. The 80s. more recent ones, yeah. the more recent ones you can. Let me see. Like kinda... if you, if you want the Ghostbusters or the Gremlins or the Goonies or you know any of those that kind of have a big following, Eight, those, those are not, two, you have to go to eBay to, to pick those up now. 2007. Um, yeah. So 96, which I guess was, it was all Star Wars. It was the 20, 20 years of ILM. That one's gone, for example. But hey, if you want Dragonheart, that's still out there for <laughs> the you know Star bucks. Trek: The Next Generation. Not, that's one that's out of print. Um, I, yeah, if it's Star Trek, Star Wars, like you said, the the bigger pop culture ones. So, um, so here's here's what I'm also fuzzy on because we're talking about the back issues, which I still I'll have to look. I still have access. If you are a subscriber, they have a great iPad app where you get access to all of them. All of them. Um, and I don't know if that goes away too. I, I would assume if the company is, is throwing in the towel, uh, that app and the servers that, that run it will probably be going away at some point. It depends but, on what kind of situation they're in. They may sell and transfer assets to somebody that will just manage it as yeah. content to sell at that point. Um, like I'm looking through it now cause I'm like, damn, there's a few that cover movies that I really love that I never bothered to get. And I'm like, ah, I really want a hard copy now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't lie. I did the same thing. I was like, there are a few that I've just been kind of, you know, little, uh, little camera shy. I haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger on them. Cause some of them, when you go on eBay, it's like, okay, it's $45 for that issue or $50 for that issue. Um, yeah. I, as soon as this happened this week, I immediately bought the back issues from them that were still available for like Batman, Batman returns, the ones that I didn't yeah. have that I absolutely wanted. And then I went to eBay and there was a lot of 20 up there for a hundred bucks that had the, um, the back to the future, the ride, yeah. uh, the abyss, the one that you were talking about Titanic, a few of those. And I was like, I, those are 20, $30 on their own. I'm going to grab them now because I have always wanted them. And now they're just going to skyrocket because it's just, be, it's going to be a, a rarity. Um, so yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's again, if you're, if you're a film fan, you probably already know about Cinefix. If you if you haven't, go check it out. But like th these are things that it's the historical record. You know, when a, when a filmmaker like um, yeah, who's who's a good example? Somebody who who loves to, uh, Edgar Wright. Uh, I think yep. is probably the best example. Like it's like somebody who when they go into making a film, 
absorbs everything that has come before. And, you know, when he was making hot fuzz, he went and he, they had laser discs and VHS tapes and DVDs of 10,000 movies that they studied, um, before, uh, before writing the script and before making that film and storyboarding the film. And, um, but, but from a visual effects and a special effects standpoint, I know a lot of people in the industry that would go back and say, Oh my God, this is a lot like X scene in this movie. I'm going to, I have all the Cinefix issues right here on my shelf. Hold on one second. Okay. Here. Perfect. Um, all right. They shot this, uh, anamorphic, uh, at this frame rate because they found that the miniatures uh, sold better at that, that frame rate. Um, and they used, uh, salt for the sand. Okay. Fantastic. Per- like it was their go-to reference to recreate things or to make things look the way that they loved them in other films. And, you know, if you're, if you're making Ghostbusters afterlife and you're Jason Reitman and you want something to look exactly as it looked like in, in 1984, luckily he still has Richard Edlund and, uh, and, uh, some of the filmmakers that, that worked on the movie that he can go to as a resource. But also I bet he cover to cover that, that Cinefix issue, um, knowing Jason Reitman and, and, and all of the people that worked on that movie, I'm sure that that was like on set. It was probably sitting at video village yeah. and they were just thumbing through things, um, because it is just that, that great of a resource. And the good news is it's not going away. That, that, that written, uh, record of everything still exists and will continue to exist. I'm sure people have scanned these in and there's PDFs and there's going to be a, a Oh yeah, a libraries will have their copies and all that. The bummer is that moving forward, we will not yeah. have that. So the movies that are being made today and tomorrow are not going to get that yeah. same treatment. So at a time, you know, like this last issue will cover the Mandalorian, which means it'll cover all this new technology with like the the LED backdrops and all that, that going yeah. forward is going to be like, you know, a big revolutionary step. And in, in, as movies go ahead, there's a record of it, but you know, whatever the next one is, unfortunately we won't have it. What we'll have is we'll have maybe some good articles on VFX websites and all that, but that's on the web and it's while yeah. it may persist for a long time, it's just kind of harder to find. You know what I mean? Like this stuff is scattered and you, and, and there is a certain amount of cynicism <laughs> there, a, a very good friend of mine, who's also kind of a, a behind the scenes junkie. Um, I don't, I don't want to name him cause I don't want this to be, if it's speaks ill of somebody, but you know, he said, how sexy can you make dudes sitting at render farms, uh, from, from this point forward? You know, it's like, okay, everything is computer generated. Um, and, and Cinefix always did a really great job of talking about, you know, having to do cloth simulations in order to get something right or trying to get, uh, the translucency of skin correct in order to make the the character feel more real or, you know, lighting and, and atmosphere and, and shot composition and, and things that are still fundamental, even if it is being created in, in a computer, um, you know, it's, it stinks. Uh, Ryan Dole, uh, I'm shouting out to you, man. Like everybody always just says, well, CGI doesn't look good. Well, it's because people aren't doing CGI the correct way. And CGI gets a bad rap because you have to basically create everything in a virtual space that you would have done practically anyway. And if you can't do that, uh, and, and sell it well, that's why CGI ends up not looking great or they don't have enough time or they don't have enough resources or 5,000 other reasons. But um, so, but, but that was kind of like the last, 
10 years, maybe last 15 years that, it, that that's kind of yeah. what the magazine started to focus on. And then, like you said, Mandalorian, they're working with this new ILM stagecraft, which is it's practical and everything's being done in cameras. And it's very fascinating because it is tracking the, the geometry from the camera lens uh, with the, you know, the, uh, with the same perspective and the same depth of field and everything that that camera is seeing from the perspective of the camera so that the background is in real time moving in that direction so that everything, the, the parallax effect is working and everything in the background is moving in the same sort of, of way that the camera should be seeing it. If you were in that physical, tangible space, that's awesome. And, and the fact that that has progressed over two years now. Uh, they, they did that for the first uh, season of Mandalorian. They did the second season, and they've even improved it uh, past that point. Um, My neighbor actually recently finished doing some shooting on one of those sets. Yeah, every, there's one in Vancouver. There's one here in L.A., and they moved one out to um, to the studios out in London, out to the um, the Pinewood Studios. Yeah. Um, so so he that's said, he he was saying it was amazing, like literally. Literally all it, it amounted to was the time it took to change his costume and stuff like that. Like they would shoot a scene and then immediately flip over to the next one and the background would just flip to what it would need. Oh, the lighting was done and away and, he went. And right? watch like, if like, if you watch on, on Disney plus they have their Disney gallery, which is like the making yeah. of Mandalorian and you can watch there's Amazing. a tech that's there and he's changing I think he's changing like the, the aperture or, or something in the camera. And as he's doing that, you're seeing the background exposure either get lighter or darker based upon how he's doing that. So the background is getting blown out as if he's, you know, closing down the aperture. It's, it's, Oh God, it's so cool. Um, that's going to be in this most recent issue, whatever technological advancements happen past that point needs to have some sort of written record. It needs to be documented somewhere. And, you know, the internet exists. And of course there will be sci-fi wire. You know, my friend, uh, Tara Bennett loves this kind of stuff too. There will be making of books, obviously. Um, But this was just, it was also highlighting those, those things that wouldn't be getting a big making of book that wouldn't be getting all of the press and exposure in, in big, you know, wired magazine or blogs or whatever. Um, I seem to recall they covered heartbeeps in an issue. They did. They did. And I'm, and I'm, I'm telling you kids, go Google Andy Kaufman heartbeeps. <laughs> you will, what was it? Bernadette Peters. Oh, I watched that movie. And, and that yeah, was, Andy Kaufman and Bernadette Peters, right? Um, I found that movie on DVD at a Staples. I took it home and I watched <laughs> it. I no longer have that DVD. Like let's, it's wow. But anyways, yeah, I, I was thinking um, they did silent running, which again, uh, was was yeah was one of the biggest inspirations to George Lucas to put actual human performers inside his droid characters because he saw Douglas Trumbull's Silent Running and was like oh look at the performance even though it's just somebody in there wiggling around it still feels yeah. human and it still feels real. Oh man, um, I missed the boat. So I'm looking at issue nine, which is Blade Runner. Yeah, again, that's one that uh, has a pretty high asking price on on eBay. Yeah, um, well, I went to eBay, and there's two copies for sale by a guy who managed to get Rutger Hauer, uh, <laughs> Joe Turkle, and James Hong to sign it. Really up he that wants, value. He wants 500 bucks for it. Like, oh, Jeez, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, <sighs> the Gremlins one is still one that, that eludes me. I I have had 
uh, a long time ago, it was probably like five, 10 years ago, they did reprints of some of their most popular issues, but yes. they were that like staple bound kind of, uh, magazine, uh, uh whatever that's called, uh, binding, not, not the square they, binding. Yeah. They also did a hardcover of one. I can't remember which one it was now. Uh, was it the ILM? There was a big ILM tribute one that I think had a hardcover. Um, Maybe it was Blade Runner. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Uh, so, so I had a couple same. of those, but it's like, no, nah, I got to get the real ones. So that's, that's part of the reason I went on a spending spree. <laughs> <laughs> like just going to burn the credit card because I just got to do this now. Um, yeah. The, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm now window shopping. This is what's yeah, happening. I'm doing the same thing. Uh, the the Rocketeer oh backdraft we've, issue. We've turned that's into still yes, have there. some. Yeah, we have. <laughs> Welcome to our Cinefix online store hang. Um, oh, there it is. Blade Runner, the inside story by Don Shea, 2003. A reprint of the original uh, issue. Um, and for some weird reason, it's a photo of that the back cover with Iron Man. It's weird. They only want 55 bucks. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, I would encourage you. I don't want everybody to go, uh, buy them until I get them obviously, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go go grab them now because they're they're only going to increase in value. Um, yeah, let's be honest here. Some small part of me also kind of hopes that an influx of cash on their backstories might go a long way to. Um, well, you yeah, know, maybe that's... maybe if enough people did, like I said, their plan cannot be. Hey, come buy a whole bunch of stuff and get us out of a hole. I think they just did the math and went, "This is not going to work." But you know, miracles can happen. Maybe if enough well, and may keep the money lights pours running. In. Yeah, for for Don and Jody and and Greg Shea, who have been the three main components of that magazine now for 40, 40 years. Um, yeah, you know, maybe those buying those back issues, like the hundred bucks that I dropped, uh, is probably just a drop in the bucket for them. But if everybody goes and spends a hundred bucks and we sell out all of their back issues. You know, suddenly they have a little bit that maybe gets them through to July, yeah, August, even, and you know, hey, maybe. I don't even know if everybody's got a hundred bucks, but man, if we all went, if we picked that that uh, one movie that we really like and spent twenty bucks on it, yeah, like, grab a long way, grab you know one one issue uh, of your favorite film or something. Um, yeah, that that might man. help. Resellers on Amazon want one hundred and ninety bucks Canadian. For- Ooh. Oh my God! Somebody's selling a new one for nine hundred and six bucks. Oh, yeah. That that's my worry. Watching the Amazon prices, that's that's where it's just like kind of ludicrous. Um, uh, don't don't spend those Amazon prices uh, quite no, yet. No, don't uh, do it. But anyways, that's um, sad. Sad. It's yeah. It's it's a bummer. And and part of it too is like, like you were saying, I feel like we are just on the cusp of another. Renaissance sounds way too uh, highfalutin, but I feel like it is. We're we're on the cusp of having another around a generation of these filmmakers who come through and are just trying to push the envelope and do something different and and realize like you know shooting actors against a green screen just doesn't work. We got to figure something else out and and they they push things to another level to uh, the the digital doubles. You know all of the times that we see somebody like in. In Rogue One, where you see uh, Peter Cushing, Grand Moff Tarkin, and you go, ooh, oh, that's not quite right. And then a little bit later, you see another digital double, and you go, oh, that looks a little bit better. Like those those gradual 
uh, iterations that make things a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. There's going to be something that breaks through here where you just, you see a character and you believe that character and you go, wait, that was, that was virtual. Like all of these, um, uh, like the, the deep fake type AI learning, uh, technology, like there's going to be something there that ends up just breaking our noggins and we're going to see it and not believe what we're seeing. Um, and, and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go through and, and do new animatronics. They're going to create new creatures and they're going to find new ways of doing the old rubber latex monsters, uh, that are going to blow our minds too. And I'm one of those people that I, I firmly believe you put a person in a suit, you light it and you, uh, and, and have that sort of a little bit of mystery, hide the creature in the shadows and, and it kind of gets your imagination going like that instead of like a big, uh, CG character that always gets me like that. I, I will still watch the original alien. And I know that that's a dude, a really tall basketball player in a suit, but it just gets you because it's the way that it was created. Um, jaws, you never see the shark still works <laughs> um, yep. to this day. So, uh, you know, there are going to be the filmmakers too, that go out there and say, look, I, I don't want to show this creature. I don't want to show this monster. Uh, Cloverfield was kind of the first example of that. Like we don't need to show this monster until maybe even the very end, if we even show it at all. Um, so I don't know. I'm just bummed. And, and I think mainly because I was so ready to read everything, every tiny detail about Ghostbusters afterlife, just knowing the painstaking detail that they put into this to make things practical yeah. and using creature uh, effects and, I don't know. Sorry. I'm talking in circles. Cause I'm just, I'm really bummed. It's been one of those weeks. That's exactly what we did at the beginning yeah. of this. I just kept venting and I was like, sorry, Chris, I'm just venting. That's okay. I, I think again, furthering that we're, um, we're, uh, <laughs> turning into yes, have some, I am about to buy something online. <laughs> what, okay. What did you find that you're buying? I feel like we can talk about this because the other thing about, our guests have some friends doing the eBay hang is it's like, well, don't jump in there and uh, pull that away from me. N nobody's going to hear this until Monday. So you can tell me what you're buying and it's not going to get stolen from out from under. Yeah. It's a book from 1969 called conversations volume one. Okay. By Don Shea in which Don Shea, uh, talks to, uh, Gregory Peck. Um, hang on here. Wow. Uh, so it's a uh, Buster Crab, John Wayne, um, uh, what's his name? Gregory Peck. And it says Ford. And I'm assuming that means John Ford. I would. Yep. John Ford. John Ford. Yeah. So interviews with these guys that he did in the sixties. Huh. It's missing. It's dust jacket. Well, actually, they say in very good condition markings on the cover spine, but it doesn't, maybe it never came with a dust jacket. I don't know. Yeah. It's not a heck of a lot. I'll be darned if the inside cover isn't signed. Wow. To Carter Torbox, with all the best wishes, Don Shea. And here's the kicker. Don Shea Conversations Volume 1, and underneath it says, designed by Michael Gross. <laughs> wow and now i need to confirm if that's michael siegel oh it has but to he be would, 
he would have been 24, so he would have been out of uh, design college I, at fact, that point. I think now now the, the memory is kicking in. I think it was Michael Gross who said, my buddy Don Shea. Don Shea. Yeah, right? And, and kind of was the person who brought him in uh, to both not only document the making of, of Ghostbusters, but also he acted as kind of a consultant, if I remember correctly. Like they kind of, they, they leaned on him pretty heavily. Um, yeah, we, we need to go back and re-listen to your interview because I feel like that's, yeah. that's ground that's, that's covered in there. Um, and, uh, and again, I, I know that Don Shea got access to all of those people. Your, your, your Gregory Peck's, your John Ford's, uh, the people that were usually pretty reclusive, because they knew that he was a he was a a, a, a friendly face. He was a, he was a teammate that was going to make them look good because he was such a he and he still is. I keep talking about like he was. He still is um, a huge film fan, and he yeah. just loves things. I I feel like he and and Jody Duncan and Greg Shea are like my kindred spirits because I just I always want to know how they did stuff, and I know that that kind of ruins some of the magic. But like when I'm watching something. And it's something that blows me away. I'm like, I want to know how they did that. I want to know how the the illusionist created that illusion. Yeah. Um, and I think he was, he I, was kind of the same way. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I didn't go into film at all or anything like that, but I'm just a big film nerd as anybody. Um, you know, many years back, friends of mine in a band uh, shot a video. Uh, they set it in space. This is Vancouver, so it was very easy. They found like some some unused set or something like that and managed to go shoot on it. <laughs> and, uh, the filmmaker, uh, Mike Jackson, um, he, uh, he did all the effects work himself. So he's doing like digital displays. And the reason I ended up, uh, talking with him is because he wanted a, like on a computer screen, he wanted a, a 3d display of a ship to show that it was damaged or whatever. So I, uh, he used uh, one of the ships from my game because I was able to actually like render out the rotating frames and all that. And he put it together and did his bad. And as we're chatting, he was talking about things he wanted to do. And from Cinefix from 2010, I went, do you know how they made the pen float in 2010? <laughs> <laughs> and he actually used it. Like, it's just literally a big pane of glass that you it clean. So you can't see it. Camera shoots through it and you just stick a thing to it. And it looks like it's hanging in space and literally people can reach out grab the thing off the glass and away you go. And like I said, so again, in this weird little way, I'm sure he, I mean, all those magazines inspired much bigger things, but I mean, even, even in weird little ways, the stuff they did in, you know, informed all these informed a music video, like, you know, 25 years later. And point in case that's, that's the resource that uh, something like Cinefix can be. Um, right. That's Yeah. Well, here's the thing. As we head forward into the, the digital future, when everybody's pretty much in the agreement that the only thing that keeps the perfect balance of CGI and practical from being played in a movie, it's time and budget is really what it comes down to. But I, more and more people are like, look at the Mandalorian. Look how far Mandalorian is going to go to point out, do digital here, do practical here. Like, again, we talked about before that they were prepared to... CGI the hell out of uh, B- B- Baby Yoda, and he'll always be Baby Yoda. Yeah. I know. I can hear you screaming into your mic. I know his name. <laughs> I don't care. Hey, my daughter. That's Baby. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, and I mean, it it took it took uh, Herzog to say it. No, it's better than you think it is. You should You're stick cowards. to the physical. 
Yeah. And as we as we head forward with that sort of thing, I think these old back issues are going to go a long way to people going, do you remember how they did that thing and this thing? How did they do that thing? And they will go looking and they will find the answers there. Right? Yeah. Like, and, and inevitably somebody will be like, how come they don't do something like Cinefix? How come they don't make Starlog magazine anymore? Uh, right. You know, that, that conversation and then... I don't know. There, there's part of me that's like, we should just put together some sort of a crowdfunding campaign and like, we need to save Cinefix because <laughs> I can't afford to lose another magazine like Starlog went away. Um, yeah. But uh, so two two other things that I kind of wanted to talk about here, Chris, sure. and in terms of the Cinefix uh, side of things. Uh, number one, uh, Movie Magic, uh, which was a show that down here was on Discovery Channel, but I think it was actually a Canadian show. Did you get that up there? In the uh, early '90s, late '80s, early '90s, I cannot answer that, but I have it on on VHS. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. But it was released on VHS, and I grabbed it. Oh man! It, and uh, Don Shea involved in that because it was basically yep. the video version of Cinefix, um, and a lot of people out there to this day are you know clamoring for it should be re-released. They should keep doing movie magic. That should be something that that happens. So um, check those out. Um, and then the other thing I just want to solicit to anybody out there, uh, in going down the magic, uh, rabbit hole of Cinefix and nostalgia and everything, uh, I discovered that Don Shea did a panel, uh, down at San Diego, not at the proper Comic-Con, uh, but at Comic Fest or whatever that kind of the offshoot that happens at the Marriott, uh, down there. Um, yeah. he did a, a panel for the 25th anniversary of Ghostbusters where he talked about Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. If anybody was there, if anybody recorded it, if anybody just happened to be there and remembers anything about it, uh, hit us up because those have always been like the visual effects society, uh, one that they did for the 25th anniversary, uh, was amazing. Uh, and it was just such a great time. So, uh, I would, I would love to see, or at least hear about that one, uh, if you happen to be there. Um, so I don't know. That was Cinefix. I feel like that's the, a whole episode dedicated to Cinefix. The other one is just sort of like, uh, well, the writing was on the wall for this this company. Uh, Fry's, <laughs> Fry's Electronics is going out of business. And to me, that was like my proton pack supply place. Uh, but yeah. uh, that that was not... Um, that was not as surprising as <laughs> Cinefix no. was. I think um, very early on in the age, you know, the internet era, electronic component stores that had a physical location were in big trouble because electronic components were the ideal thing yeah. to stock in a warehouse and have a website store for. <laughs> like, it, it wasn't like clothing or other things that people had to kind of come look and compare. It's like, no, electronic components are very specific. <laughs> so yeah, and, you, and that was you the... knew what you needed and you just went in and you clicked, click, 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 pick the price point you wanted if there was like different manufacturers and then away you went it, it was like if if radio shack was on uber amounts of steroids like yep. whatever you needed if you needed project boxes for your your traps if you needed wiring if you needed uh you know a soldering yep. iron um if you needed a, a fan or speakers it didn't matter like they they had anything and everything because you know it was a haven for people who built their own pcs and uh electronics components and things like that um but uh, it, it was it was awesome when I was building my first pack back in mm, when would that have been early two thousand five six seven yep. sorry Sean if you're listening I can't remember when that was it was like two thousand seven <laughs> um, 
but it, it was awesome. Then it sort of took a, a turn downhill because they had a really great um, return policy. And so people would go in and they would buy things and use them and then return them. Uh, so t- nine times out of 10, you bought something that was open box because that's all that was on the shelves for whatever reason. It's like, I need to <laughs> get a, a DVD R they're all open boxed. That's weird. Somebody just came in, bought it, burned the DVD that they needed and returned the DVD R, uh, especially around here, you know, uh, student filmmakers notoriously would go into home Depot and borrow all the tools that they needed, uh, to build their sets and then return all the power tools. And home Depot had to put their foot down and be like, do you go to Loyola Marymount? No, you cannot buy that. We're not going to let you buy that. <laughs> or, or if so, we're marking your receipt that you're not going to be able to return it. Um, so fry, you know, fries kind of started to take a downturn there. And then the last time I visited, which obviously was before the pandemic and uh, was probably two or three years ago, the shelves were empty. Like they, they switched to a consignment, uh, kind of like how Walmart, you know, they don't pay for their stock. They have the manufacturers consign, uh, the, the, whatever materials are sitting on the shelves and nothing was there. Like they used to have a whole wall that was awesome. Like, uh, home theater, uh, components and high, high end, uh, AV receivers and, and amplifiers and things like that. It was, it was bare. Like there were wires sticking out of the walls and it, it was just, it looked like, it looked like they had gone out of business and were doing their, uh, clearance sale. And that was like three years ago. So I not, not entirely surprised, although it kind of sucks. Did you hear how they shut down? The, the whole no. sort of like telling your employees, Hey, you're all laid off. By the way, you need to ship everything back to the manufacturers today. Uh, in now, the last days today. Was this the giant zoom call? Oh, I don't even know if it was a zoom call. I think it was just employees showing up for work and they, they mm. were informed, yeah. you know, as they walked through the door, uh, because th- they still haven't, I, I'm not entirely sure. I didn't check today, but they haven't made an announcement that they're closing down, but they did shut down their website. They locked up their social media. Um, uh, apparently multiple employees have said like, uh, you know, they, they had us crate stuff up and throw it back to the shipping dock, uh, and, and told us to go home. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. I mean, probably a victim of the pandemic, probably a victim of their wrong moves before the pandemic. And this just sort of exacerbated the problem. Um, but, uh, the other thing I, I'm kind of bummed about is out here, they were all themed. I guess they were themed everywhere since there weren't really? that many of them. So the one in Burbank was uh, B movies. Like there was a crashed UFO in the front of the store. And then when you walked through the front door, there was like a giant ant, um, and a Jeep, like an army Jeep that had been cut in half by a laser. Uh, and oh, and Gort, like, uh, you know, from Day of the Earth Stood Still was kind of off uh, up in the corner. Um, so that was that one. And then the one down here uh, was tiki themed. The theming really fell away the more that they started not caring about stuff. So. Um, I think it was supposed to be tiki themed, but there was also a big Alice in Wonderland one out here in, in LA. Um, yeah, kind of a shame. It's a, it's like Toys R Us going out of business. It's like, that's one of those things where you don't realize what you got until it's gone. It's like, I right. took Toys R Us for granted now they're all gone. Yeah. That's usually the way we just <sighs> assume it'll be there forever. Well, so all right, cue the Joni Mitchell song now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, so welcome or thanks for joining or whatever our <laughs> digital wake 
for all of these things that we've lost this week. Yes. It's a nah. modeling day all around, to be honest. It's yeah. Bottom, bottoms up, everybody. Don't Here wait another go. minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, go, go stoppers. stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. Too. And Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Chris, I thought that this episode would brighten my day, <laughs> and instead, I just feel we need to pick pressed. pick something else to. Uh... <laughs> In hindsight, doing the virtual wake for Cinefest may not have been a good idea. No, well, it killed killed it some time, I guess. But yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I mean, there's, there's good stuff to look at. We're three eight episodes into Extreme Ghostbusters. Yes, that's true. We got ex- uh, Extreme Ghostbusters every Wednesday, Real Ghostbusters Don't every tell Saturday. Ghostbusters, I've been ripping them off of YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah, don't tell them that. Um, yeah, and, uh, our 300th episode is right around the corner. <laughs> what are we? What? There's no reason to hide. Ghost Core knows full well that even if I say outright, I am digitally ripping copies that you're putting up in the internet to get as as best as possible to have on hand that's not a sale lost they know full well that if yeah. they put it out on blu-ray tomorrow i you am there the complete co- yeah exactly with my my loose change my my tooth fairy money uh dirty canadian tire uh <laughs> money ev- everything <laughs> i've got begging them to hand it over yes, so please it's- do it we will <laughs> we will buy that extreme ghostbusters complete series uh. Uh, like but, we posit, yes. Everybody, if you're not watching them every Wednesday uh, for Extreme Ghostbusters, every Saturday for Real Ghostbusters. Real Ghostbusters doesn't need a push because Real Ghostbusters is all over the place, and we kind of posited that maybe this is another avenue of uh, revenue and all that since they've tapped out streaming and you yeah, know and uh, digital downloads yeah. and you know put it out on disc. You, you hit any Walmart and find for like twenty bucks the entire series, stuff like that. But Extreme Ghostbusters, we kind of hope, has that that thing of if enough people watch it, uh, whoever's running a spreadsheet, some some actuarial corner of Sony will go, yeah, a disc might be worth it. Well, and, <laughs> so. and is leaving leaving Hulu, leaving uh, the Roku channel and all the places where it was. So they, they really want you to watch the YouTube versions of, of Extreme oh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. So, um, um, and so I will say that the chat room is a lot livelier yeah. with Extreme Ghostbusters. I don't know if it's because it's like in the middle of the day on a on a weekday or. or well, weirdly, is, yeah. Well, it, it probably is, it, and it's artificially forcing. I mean, you can watch it after too, but the chat happens when they throw the switch and and run it in the morning, or no, middle of the afternoon or whatever it is. Um, what else? Middle of Beyond put out uh, Slimer Tiki mug. Have you seen yes. those? Yeah. Very pretty. 
I kind of like like them, and then I have to forget that I've seen them because I always fear that. <laughs> the trouble is, is as I've talked before, I'm I'm trying to pare down what I've got and focus on. I have very nice, sizable Slimer and 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 um, Stay Puff collection, and I'm looking at those thirty-five dollar U.S. mugs going. Yeah, that's Must a Stay purchase. Puff. That's a Slimer. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I well. Yeah. Plenty, plenty of good things out there to focus upon. Um, and and I, before I throw to you for your final thoughts, uh, mm-hmm. I, I did want to bring up our 300th episode. Thank you to everybody who has said we want to join you. Um, the good news is there's a lot of you. <laughs> the bad news is that there's a lot of you. Um, so we were trying to figure out how to kind of finagle things and and how to make sure that it's not just like a giant uh, free-for-all. Um, so yeah. uh, good news is there was a lot of interest and the bad news was there's a, a lot of interest uh, in, in joining us. No. So we'll have to kind of figure that out. That is, as they say, a good problem to have. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll, I mean, ideally we'd like to, it, it'd be great if everybody, we could just <laughs> party conversation with everybody. I don't know that that's going to necessarily work, but whatever we do do, <laughs> I said do do. <laughs> do do. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I, I, we talked about maybe possibly doing it in real time so that even if somebody isn't talking to us directly, there's like, you know, maybe the chat stream in the background where people can uh, chatter at us and, and that way we can kind of talk to people. I don't know. Yeah, or, or pre-record it and then we can join everybody in the chat too so that we can talk oh, with you via option. text or something I, there's going to be a way that we can can do this um we'll figure it r- out rather than having uh a hundred people on at the same time and it turns into one of those terrible zoom calls where it's like no you go uh, okay no you go right, no. you go uh, what is that uh, clicking uh, sound coming from uh, yeah yeah everybody <laughs> mute please yeah we don't want to do that um whose dog is that so uh yeah it was it was a good idea on paper and then as soon as we started looking at the we're like, oh, i don't know how we're gonna do this so uh stay tuned uh, and for those of you that did did reach out with interest, uh, please sit tight. We'll get back to you guys with some some logistics soon on that. But uh, what uh, what else you got in terms of final thoughts this week, Chris? Uh, final thoughts is I think we should mod Among Us, the, the, like do a Ghostbusters mod of Among Us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thomas has been what. Thomas has been watching the heck out of Among Us, and they're going nuts with their mods, and they're pretty crazy and over the top, and they're fun and all that. But I'm looking at it going. So, like, I thought it, in my head it was kind of like you have a game with people running around trying not to have something happen to them, and there are ghosts. It seems like you're uh, not too far yeah. away from maybe having Ghostbusters run around trying to catch ghosts. Not getting possessed. Not getting something. possessed. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the mods had possession, but anything, like, don't get slimed. Like, once you're slimed, that's the end of your run yeah. sort of thing. Like. Or maybe it's a time limit to try to catch as many ghosts as possible. Like everything they've been doing in mods, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you could tweak it over to to a Ghostbusters type mod. It just requires whoever can program the the modification and like doing a little bit of art for the, you know, coming up with the generic cutesy super deformed Ghostbuster. I was gonna say, and, they've done it for other mobile apps and games and stuff. Like, yeah. it, there's a good chance like we're gonna record this and then uh, tomorrow they're gonna be like. Good news from Sony, the Among Us DLC for DLC. Ghostbusters. <laughs> right? But here's the thing, like, so you have your little guys, your busters, instead of your, your little cutesy spacemen. Uh, you can still sell hats and pets and all that. That's easy enough. You can, most of them involve things like ecto-goggles and all that, but it'll be great. Ball caps, whatever, it's fun. 
So you have a little guy in a jumpsuit, fairly generic, and then you can slap on, uh, you know, your your little hats, and you run around and you're trying to take. But yeah, you have like they have things like um, um, powers, like things you can do, and there's a cooldown period. So I think that's a really cool thing you could do is that everybody can has uh, an ecto goggle thing where you can trigger it to see the ghosts and then try to catch a bunch and then it goes away. Yeah. The, they have all these tasks that you have to complete. I think some of the tasks automatically come from catch ghost, run to containment unit and do the little mini game to unload the ghost or maybe do other tasks to draw ghosts to an area. Like again, all the little tasks can then port over into things we've seen in the Ghostbusters universe that you can kind of, uh, you know, kind of mod over sort of thing. And like I said, and then the one, the one thing that keeps it among us is that someone is secretly, uh, you know, a ghost or I don't know, a wizard or, or something, right? Like, so you just, <laughs> so you still have the, the, the social mystery, uh, game going on where it's like, you know, who's doing what? Like they, there's somebody running around doing suspicious things, maybe letting out more ghosts. If yeah. somebody lets out all the ghosts, uh, by a certain point, then, you know, the jig is up and the ghost world pours into, yeah, like I said, there's lots of little, it's pretty easy to, 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 to dream up the, the narrative rationale yeah, like for what's that. going on. Somebody, like, somebody I mean, listening, please make this happen. Please. I know, right? Like, I don't know. If anybody's bored, let me know and we'll, we'll, we'll hash it out. <laughs> it's just, I can't program for crap. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think that'd be really great. Like you make a new, make a new level. That's a, like a haunted house or something, or maybe the streets. Oh, that would be good. You could do like kind of blocked streets in New York and you can run oh. into buildings, which are the different rooms and do different tasks. And one of them is the fire hall that you can run into and drop your stuff off at the containment unit. And, um, uh, Yeah. The ghosts, I guess, would be maybe automated, or would you? I mean, it could be fun Play. to make them playable by yeah. people too. That'd be a larger game. I think the max now is generally ten for playing a regular Among Us game, and that's not too bad either. Because then you could have like, say, or uh, you could have uh, humans play. There could be dozens and dozens and dozens of ghosts, but the humans that are playing ghosts can take control of one at a time and all that and do weird little ghostly things or try to avoid being caught or mess with the Ghostbusters. Meanwhile, yeah, you've just got the one hidden monster that's among them. Like yeah. I said, that's what we need right please now. Please make it, somebody make it happen or help Chris I, make bored. it happen, please. We're yeah. literally three weeks since you and I went and, you know, eventually I'm sure Sony will announce that they've, you know, there's another game that they've partnered with. <laughs> <laughs> Three weeks later, we're like, we can't wait. We're going to do it ourselves. One now, please. <laughs> now, please, now. Uh, life during a pandemic. Ain't it grand? <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe we should, We need to inquire because all these YouTubers seem that, to be hiring. Like either they have friends that are other YouTubers that know how to do this stuff. Or there are people that seem like they keep talking about this mod by so-and-so. Like there's obviously people who are just specifically doing mods. Uh, you couldn't call it Ghostbusters, but maybe if we could just figure out how much those guys charge, we could just, just 
put a collection uh, yeah. hand around the, the hat and Look get at a, the, the people that are doing like that real Ghostbusters side scroller game uh, right? that uh, we've seen the first level of and, and things like that um, hey what do their characters look like maybe they're perfect for little sprites <laughs> yeah, to go. swap in can, sort of can thing. you adapt this now over to the Among Us engine um, yeah, but yeah. yeah I don't know um, find the 500 bucks to pay some guy to to do a, a mod you know what I can do sprites. I can do yeah. limited art stuff I can maybe do the environments and all I don't know. There what you the go. hell am I talking about? I have an eight-year-old and a business <laughs> to run. What the hell am I talking about? You barely find time to podcast. I don't know. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, so that was my yeah. final thought. It was a, it was a weird... Uh, <laughs> prior to the pandemic, I had shower thoughts. During the pandemic, I have bathtub thoughts. Like <laughs> I, There are days where I retreat into the tub. <laughs> Uh, I I fell asleep for an hour in the Calgon, tub earlier today. Take me away, Calgon. Take me away. And this was one of the ones I had. I'm like looking at it, going, yeah. I mean, if the mechanism is wide open for them to mess with, like you can just why yeah. not, right? Like have a cool little environment and well, the ghost. But it's the Among Us thing is it's um, all against one or all against two or depending on how, you know, how it's set and all that, which is perfect for Ghostbusters because it means they're not competing. Rather, they're trying to work together. To not have the thing fall into ruin, uh, while at the same time not getting uh, out, you know in trouble with the the one uh, hidden hidden uh, monster or whatever. And I, I don't know. It just feels like it could work with very little effort. What's the name of the company? They got a sloth in it. I can never remember the name now. <laughs> do it, yeah, do it. But yeah, there you go, Eric. If you're listening call me and then we'll call them and we'll figure it out i'm pretty sure it could be done <laughs> relatively cheap <laughs> something to tide us over until november that's and not for only sure. that yeah. and not only that you're not like piggybacking yourself on something that's that's good and establishes all this this is a legitimate phenomena yeah let's piggyback a legitimate this, global phenomena like a, a Fortnite co-op yeah exactly before it. before yeah. it before it uh, it goes away let's just put it out there yeah they're already selling their hats and all that as DLC. It's very easy then to, to work out a system of give us just five bucks or whatever. Yes. And here's the Ghostbusters official mod and you can play the go. Oh, this is gets better. What am I doing? I have <laughs> responsibilities and a task list as long as my arm. My uh, fun to do list. Go, is, I'll, uh, go buy some Cinefx ah, back issues. That'll make you feel better. Everybody out there, go buy some back issues from Cinefx. I bought a signed Don Shea book already. That that nah, skipped right, the sale. Go. I That's got nothing left. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. Yeah. Well, thanks thanks for joining us for this uh, virtual wake for. Uh, a magazine. I know it's uh, that's that's what we do here on the Crossrip. Uh, hopefully you love it. Um, but, uh, hopefully if it, but more importantly, if you haven't heard of it or you've kind of been aware of it but hadn't really given it much thought, this is us telling you. Yeah, now's the time to to go look. It go. is some amazing stuff. It's amazing resource. Cinefx.com and do it. Do it while you still digital. can. Go get yeah. the digital and see just how much crazy stuff and then when you find your fave go buy the hard copy right yeah exactly so uh all right until next week everybody see you all on the other side Who you gonna call? We thanks for joining the ghostbusters interdimensional cross rip visit us at protoncharging.com ghostbustershq.net and stillplayingwithtoys.net it used to be one of my two Oh, anything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Oh, oh, oh. Next week, though, careless pets. We're so
And I just got the alert that the Avs lost 5-2. Man, this day, throw it out. Throw it out. 